So you want to read Tolkien? We're happy to have you with us. Join us as we work our way through the Silmarillion. I'm Caitlin. I'm Rachel. And I'm Emily. Let's dig into this week's reading. For Middle Earth. (laughs) If I tried to pronounce every letter in this name, my tongue would fall out of my mouth. I mean, I am on my second giant glass of Prosecco right now. So... (laughs) Sally Ho! That's what Into the West means. Let's go home. (laughs) We're unqualified, but we have ideas. All right. So here we are back with another episode of So You Want to Read Tolkien. Yay! Um, It's been a whole week since the last time we spoke. Yep. (laughs) God, Caitlin. (laughs) You couldn't have been more suspicious when you said that. So this week, we're discussing Chapter 9, The Flight of the Noldor. A.K.A. Feanor is a douchebag. Feanor is a bit of a douchebag in this one. But again, we don't know all of his motivations and feelings. And maybe he just didn't want Vingolfin to get involved in the curse. But we can talk about that afterwards. Do you want to take characters? Rachel. Yes. All right. So characters. Um, we're going to get with the main crew of the family of the Noldor, who are the elves in Valinor who like to make stuff. And Finway is their king. He's sort of their the first guy who came and looked at Valinor and brought everyone there. And his firstborn son, who is a douchebag, is Feanor. Uh, Feanor has... So we're going to harken back to a couple episodes ago where when Feanor was born, he may or may not have literally sucked all of the life out of his mother and basically is a very vivacious elf. (laughs) We'll we'll stick with that. And so then uh, Finway ends up remarrying and Feanor has two half-brothers who are Fingolfin and Finarfin. Uh, Fingolfin being the elder and therefore a little bit more more relevant, but both of them will come up here. And there's a bit of feuding between them because of that, and they sort of made up in the last chapter. So we're gonna we're gonna see where things go from there. Um, so we also get the other elves come back a little bit. So our, we're mainly following the Noldor here, uh, hence the title of the chapter of the Flight of the Noldor. But the Vanyar are the um, high elves who kind of first came to Valinor and are pretty happy there. We don't need to worry so much about them. But we have the Teleri who have been living on their magical place on like the island on the edge of Valinor. And they are the people who make boats, which comes to be rather key here. Um, so we also have a quick rundown of some of the Valar who come up here. Uh, we still have Manwe, who is our king of the Valar. We have Yavanna, who made the trees that just got eaten by a spider. We have Nienna, who is the Valar basically just of mourning. She kind of just cries a lot. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Mandos. This is the one time we see her in action as the mourner. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. it's... Yes. She's We're gonna get to the plot. Shitty job. It's really depressing, actually. I mean, it's a necessary job, but really sad. Um, 
So Mandos is the keeper of the halls of the dead, which actually starts to mean things because we get to plot in this chapter. And then um, related to Ulmo, who is the Fowler of the Sea, we have Ose, who is the Maya, uh, one of one of Ulmo's Maya and the one that is most connected to the Teleri. And then we have Olwe, who's the Lord of the Teleri and sort of buds with with Ose and all the water stuff. <laughs> He's buds with water. <laughs> Um, we all. <laughs> and um, finally, we get back to our character that we love for being the person we actually know already, Galadriel. And she is a daughter of Finarfin, right? I have it over here. Nope, I closed it because I'm an idiot. One second here. Elrond is descended from Fingolfin and she's Finarfin. I, I believe think. so, yes. Yes, yeah, there we yes. go. A daughter of an orphan. Yes. Uh, so Galadriel actually gets to do things here, which is very cool. Um, so, yes, she's the daughter of the second half-brother of Feanor. Oh, and we still have Melkor, who gets his new name officially in this chapter, and will hereafter be known as Morgoth, which is an even more sinister-sounding name. And I guess to bring back our evil spider, who we mostly refer to just as a spider, is named Ungoliant. And she belches darkness and is generally evil. Um, there it is. I just, the, the sons of Fanor and Fingolfin mm -hmm. come up in this chapter also, but uh, not like as individual characters, so we don't really need to know their names. Yes, there are, there are a lot of sons. Um, we'll post the family tree again, yeah. but we'll kind of refer to them mainly as their groups and not as individuals. Although I think it, it does sort of become clear in this chapter that, like, the cousins have a better relationship than the brothers. Mm-hmm. Yes, we get a lot of complicated family dynamics here. Like, the world's worst family reunions. Yeah, that's for sure. But we don't need to do a whole lot of keeping them apart quite yet, and we'll try to clarify who they are if and when we do mention them. There are a lot of F names. That there is. And then, like, a whole bunch of M's out of nowhere mm -hmm. also. Yep, but we're going to eliminate one of the F names. <laughs> nice. Okay, so to get into the recap, <laughs> um, I guess this chapter starts off with like a council about whether or not they can remake the trees. And Yovana says, uh, I can't remake them from nothing, but if I had a bit of them, I could probably do it. And who has a bit of the trees but good old Feanor? <laughs> whose mind has kind of been poisoned against letting anybody uh, see or touch the Silmarils. So he kind of thinks about her request for a moment and then says, no, I don't trust you with my Silmarils. Um, he actually has a pretty good line here. Let me get to it. I don't have it up because that would make sense. It may be that I can unlock my jewels, but never again shall I make their like. And if I must break them, I shall break my heart, and I shall be slain. First of all, the Eldar and Amun. And then, as I wrote down here, after he says that, Mandos has what I think is the best line in this chapter, because he says, not the first. And then everybody ignores him. <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
I was saying my exact argument was like, I was like mad, like, wait, no, Feanor wouldn't be the first. His mother died first. And then I get to the next page and I go, oh, shit. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Because his mother wasn't slanned. She wasn't murdered. She died. Mm -hmm. Um, She lost the will to live. Yeah. Feanor says that if Yavanna takes the Silmarils and cuts them open, that would be the same as murdering him. Um, oh, Fanar. Yeah, he's a little dramatic. Although, you know, if he did to the Silmarils what Sauron did to the ring, it might actually not be a metaphor. Anyways, moving on. We don't know what they're made of. Yeah, but I mean, he might have poured his own life force into them in the same way that Sauron did with the, uh, with the ring. So that's an interesting thought. But moving on. So... So Mandos is a troll. <laughs> Mandos is... <laughs> A troll. I like that about him, though. And then after that, Nienna, uh, pretty much, doesn't. I have it in my head that she like flies up into the sky and has this great sort of morning full moment. But I don't know if I actually read that or if that was just how I pictured it. Um, but she lets out her big crying about the trees, and everybody is very sad. Well, and and she, it's like she washed away the defilements of Ungoliant. Mm-hmm. And I will say. I, I do like that Feanor does specifically say that, you know, he'll do it if he's commanded to bring the Silmarils out. But I, I also feel like Feanor's the first one to be like, back to our previous discussions that we've had about free will in this uh, creation. I don't, th- a lot of this is why I'm a little bit not on Feanor's side, because he is a douchebag, but like can understand kind of where he's coming from about things. In the same way that Emmy 100% understands where Melkor is coming from, the things. Uh, Except Finor could arguably be even more of a douchebag than Melkor. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, he can be a douchebag and still not be wrong. Yeah, this is true. And as we mentioned, I think last week or whatever, uh, well, last week, Feanor still doesn't really trust any of the Valar because they are of the same race as Melkor, and they were pretty much brothers at one point, and it's a whole big thing. So anyways, in the midst of all this, I... Did they say how they find out? But anyways, it turns out that when Melkor and Ungoliant fled from the trees and nobody could follow them, they went to Formanos, where Feanor had been exiled to and where Finway was living, and killed Finway. And presumably some lesser elves that nobody cares about. But they killed Finway, the lord of the Noldor. Stole all the jewels and treasures that the Noldor had made that were kept there. Including the Silmarils. Dun dun dun. Exactly. And that, of course, is what Mandos was referring to. That he already knew Finway was dead. That has to be so crazy. Like, you're busy holding you know, counsel about some great matter and you're, like, knowing when people are dying at the same time. There's, like, a a counter in Mm -hmm. his head, like a, you know, and it just ticked over. That little tick of, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Uh, Finway finally gets to be back with his his first wife. Yeah. (laughs) I guess that's nice. They're both now in the halls of Mandos. So, anyways... Um, Feanor is not happy about this. His dad's dead. His Silmarils are stolen. And while Morgoth and Ungoliant are fleeing with their treasures, um, they're fleeing towards Middle-earth. They're going north in Valinor and then over 
like the icy land called the I have no idea how to pronounce this word, the Helcare Helcarax, the Helcaraxi. Sure, sure. We'll go with that. Yeah, normally sure. there's an A at the end, but it just sounds like, you know, it would be like Helcaraxi, but Helcarax sounds so much cooler. Yeah, honestly, I don't know. So anyways, that, the Helcarax, something. So they're fleeing over there towards Middle-earth, and while they're fleeing, uh, Ungoliant says, I'm still hungry. You promised after I ate those trees, I would not be hungry. Give me all that shit you stole. <laughs> I want to eat it. So, and I, this is actually really, like... The conversation that they have reminds me of, like, old fairy tales, almost, the way that they go through it. But we can talk about that after. Um, And so Morgoth gives her all the normal treasures and jewels and stuff. She eats them, and she's like, I'm still hungry. I want those, uh, being the somewhere else. And Morgoth says no, and they have a big fight. But by this point, they're in Middle-earth, near where Angband was, which Fuel Crawl was one of his strongholds where Sauron lived and a bunch of his Balrogs and stuff. So they get into a big fight, but his armies like come forth from Angband and help scare off Ungoliant and she runs off. I also really wish I had a bunch of Balrogs to come every time I had to kill a spider. <laughs> that would be useful. I mean, you might right? burn down your whole house. Well, that's it. But... Everyone's joke about, oh my God, there's a spider in my house. Got to burn it down. <laughs> Here he go. Yep. Get Just call the, a Balrog. Call, call your Balrogs. I think this spider is probably a little bit bigger than your your everyday wolf spider, which are pretty big. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not a fan. Um, Still, we don't live in Australia. Australia has large spiders. That's yeah. why I will never step foot there. <laughs> yeah, Australia needs the Balrogs. Yeah. The, so yeah, Ungoliant goes to Sulk in some mountains, I think. I think she goes to some mountains. I don't know. She goes somewhere. And Morgoth enters his enters Angband, takes over, builds himself a crown of iron, sticks the Silmarils in it, and puts that on his head. Oh, we should remember that the Silmarils were hallowed, or they were holy objects, so anybody evil could not uh, touch them without them burning them. So the whole time he had them in his hand, even though they were in like a case, they were still burning him. So he now has this forever pain in his hand that will never stop hurting. So he's just going to be grumpy for eternity. <laughs> yeah, jeez. So he goes, he makes himself his crown, he sticks the Silmarils in it, and he sits on his throne with his Silmarils and broods. And that's that's Morgoth for a while now. Uh, back in Valinor, Fanor pretty much blames the Valar for everything that just happened. And he sort of, you know, says, well, Finway's dead. I'm the king of the Noldor now. We're gonna go get... We're gonna go get Morgoth. And we're gonna get my Silmarils back. And we're not gonna let anybody stand in our way. And him and his sons and a good chunk of the Noldor swear an oath that they are going to get the Silmarils back from anybody who has them. Be Like, anybody... If you have a Silmaril, Feanor and his sons are coming for you. And... They don't, they're, nobody's going to stand in their way, and they march off. Um, Sumnaldor, I think it's Finarfin who stays, right? He's just like, nope, no, I'm out. No, not yet. Nope. Oh, he, that's later? He comes oh, along he turns reluctantly back and then right, turns right, right, right. back, yeah. They're just yeah, a, so, a few random stragglers, but not many. Yeah, so Fingolfin and uh, Finarfin follow. Um, Which, as I you'll recall, in the last chapter, the they, oh. because um, 
Fingolfin and Feanor kind of buddied up. Um, Fingolfin basically said, like, yes, I'll be your buddy when you do stuff. And very reluctantly has to follow along because he said, I like you again. Mm-hmm. So they go to... Oh, and also, I mean, Fandor has some pretty good speeches about how mm-hmm. they're, like, prisoners of the Valar, and if they go back to Middle-earth, they can go back to where they started at Kiwi Venon and have all this land and all this uh, openness that they can have and rule and not be under the rule of the Valar. And this uh, speaks to Gladriel, who decides to join them. She does not take the oath for the Silmarils. She is pretty much just like, I'm coming with you because I want to rule my own land. But I don't, I don't care She's about somewhere else. She's not an idiot. Yeah. And so they go to speak with their brothers, the Teleri. Their, you know, their boat friends. And ask for use of the boats to take up north, also towards Helcarax, in order to take that path over to Middle-earth. Uh, the Teleri say, no, the boats are basically like our Silmarils. We put all of our... Uh, talent and life into making them so no uh so then they have a big battle and the noldor kill a lot of the teleri and steal their boats and mandos's ticker is going up and he's like yeah. oh man <laughs> mandos is just like rubbing his hands together finally some work <laughs> boredom no longer See, but, like, if all these people showed up to my house uninvited, I'd be pissed. Yeah, Yeah, I gotta dust the halls. Yeah, jeez. They, like, appear (laughs) in your dining room, like, feed me? No. Well, they're dead, so there's no more feeding. I'm pretty sure they're gonna feast in the Hall of the Dead. Hmm. We can continue our food following. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. Um, the Noldor take the boats. They go up north towards the Hellcrax, and then Feanor's like, "Oh wait, we're not we're not going to survive marching across this icy wasteland." But he doesn't want to lose their momentum. Um, is this? I think this is when they are cursed, right? Uh, well, first, so Feanor is like, "Ha ha ha! I'm a douchebag. I don't actually care about my um, half brother," and so he sneaks off. And sails because they didn't have enough boats to. Right, right. No, before actually, that happens, like, though, they're no, cursed. Oh, no, they get cursed on Middle Earth, don't they? No, I thought no. It's, I think it's before they leave, because all of them are cursed, oh, maybe including, including Fingolfin. Okay, I might be wrong. According to my map, there's a place that says Prophecy of the North, which I assume is where they were cursed. Mm-hmm. Let me see. Where is that bit? Who even does the cursing? I forget. Um, a figure that may or may not be Mandos. He works for Mandos, doesn't he? They don't really... Some say that it was Mandos himself and no lesser herald of Manway. Oh, okay. Like, it's very mythological. We don't okay, actually okay. know. Here we are. Um, so yeah, it must be when they are still... They haven't sailed across yet. They just, they leave and it's like, you've killed people. Yeah. Bad things shall come to you. Yeah, okay. So then um, issue a messenger came at last from Manway saying... Okay, so then, yeah. So on once they're sort of heading north, a messenger came from Manway and basically cursed them and uh, 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 okay, so the important bits are no aid will the Valar <laughs> lend you in this quest. So no matter what, 
bullshit they get into in Middle Earth, the Valar are staying out of it this time. Um, that's important. Um, they continue north, and then eventually Feanor and his sons, and presumably they're like servant elves, I don't know, they sneak away with the boats because they realize that not all of their party will fit in the boats um, to sail across to Middle-earth since they won't survive, or they don't think they'll survive, the icy journey uh, uh, along the Hellcrax. And once they get to the other side, they burn the boats. I think it's Majros, one of... Um, Fanor's sons, who said, who's going to send the boats back and get everybody else? And Fanor's just like, nope, and sets them on fire. And since they're in the smaller part of the sea up north, Finkolfin can see the boats, the boats burning from, from Valinor. And is still like, well, we said we'd help, so let's <laughs> start off across the Hellcracks. So Fanor and his sons and their, like, party are in Middle-earth now, because they took the boats, and Fingolfin and his party, including Gladriel and his sons, are setting off um, across the Hellcracks in the north. To be fair, they're also afraid to go back and face the Valar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and presumably they're, like, they swore the oath, and they swore on uh, Manway and, and all these things that they hold to, in high... Or guard, or whatever. Yeah. So they're yeah. It's basically described just... as them swearing the oathiest of oaths. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so they also don't want to break their oath. Oh, okay. I, I guess before they killed the Teleri, somebody came from Valar. Here it is, and said, "Maybe don't do what you're about to do." And Franar was like, "No, that's fine. We're going to go do it." And then after they killed the Teleri on their journey north, somebody else came. Um, it was either Mandos or some sort of Herald of Manway. Nobody is, remembers. And he gave to them the Doom of the Noldor and cursed the Noldor for what they had done and basically said that their oath shall drive them and yet betray them and ever snatch away the very treasures, the very treasures that they have sworn to pursue. To evil end shall all things turn, that they begin well, and by treason of kin unto kin, and the fear of treason, shall this come to pass. The dispossessed shall they be forever. And it goes on for a bit, but basically saying, you've done some shit, so some shit's gonna happen to you. So, and good riddance. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> We've waited so long basically enough. basically going for forward, they're gonna be, like, uh, motivated by this oath that they've sworn but also, like, chased by this curse that's been bestowed upon them. And that, that comes up a lot. That they're always like, well, we have to go after the Silmarils, but if we do, all this shit is going to happen to us. Damn it, Feanor. Yeah. And that is when Fenarfin, uh turned back. At, because he was very sad that they had killed uh, Olwe and, his, and, and the Teleri at Alcalonde. And God, these names. Yeah. They just don't get better. I, yeah, I'd, so they went back to Tuna, and and Finarfin does not go to Middle Earth with his children, although Galadriel goes. And then that whole boat thing happens, where Fanor takes some boats, and Fingolfin is left behind. And this is the one who he just had his touching brother moment with like two nights ago. You know, it was probably longer than that, because this is quite the journey actually. Um, well, we don't have time because we don't even have the trees anymore. Yeah, oh, yeah, fair. So, technically, it's zero nights ago, because it's all night. 
<laughs> Very true, Rachel. It was who knows how many sleeps ago. Do elves need to sleep? I don't know. Also a good question. They don't in D&D, which was <laughs> inspired by Lord of the Ring. So so that is pretty much the chapter. I will say on their march across Helcarex, a lot of them die. But uh, Fingolfin, Finrod, and Galadriel, they, they get there. Uh, Finrod is one of Fingolfin's sons. Yes, they very dramatically trudge across. And that proving is... themselves true Canadians. <laughs> I don't think I could have done this. <laughs> I'm sorry, Finrod is a son of Finarfin, so I guess one of his sons did go. But most of his sons uh, stayed with him in the other place. Yeah, we sort of mentioned the cousins kind of like yeah. each other, and some of them do some stuff and some don't. Yeah, I don't know if the cousins of the full brothers care for the sons of Fanor. It's not their relationship is never really talked about. I just assumed they didn't have a problem. But Fingen and oh, all these names, whatever. The sons of Fingolfin and the sons of Finarfin are very close. And once again, Galadriel is just like, I want to rule my own kingdom, so I'm going. What a which, badass! Yeah, which we all know she does do. And I think. Again, I guess we'll get to this later, but I think she's sort of half under the curse. Like, she didn't kill anybody, but I... Okay, it's been a while since I read The Lord of the Rings. But I believe she's not allowed back to Valinor. Um, oh, that's part of the curse, too. They're, they're not allowed back. Once they leave, they can never come back to Valinor. So Gladriel's not allowed back until after she refuses the ring and helps the Fellowship out. And then she sort of is forgiven. And allowed to return. She can diminish and pass into the West. Exactly. Which is sort of Oof. what that line in the movie that she has about she passed the test, I guess, is kind of referring to. We'll get there. In yeah, we'll get there later. Three years. Who even knows? But we still don't have time, so. We still don't have years or days. Because they're, they're, oh, I guess, yeah, that's a thing to remember. All this happened in, in nighttime. Which is. Yeah, I. Well, which weird. makes the the burning of the ships all the more dramatic. Yeah. Like, there's basically no light other than the stars, and suddenly giant blaze of Boom. these very super special old ships. Yeah. That's really sad. I did like the last line in the chapter, which is uh, referring to Fingolfin and the march across the Hellcracks that they had to take. Small love for Feanor or his sons had those that marched at last behind him and blew their trumpets in Middle-earth at the first rising of the moon. So they get to Middle-earth at the same time that the moon uh, appears. Dramatically blowing trumpets after Feanor. Very picturesque. Maybe they put the moon into the sky before the sun to give everybody a warning. But here's the thing, the, the <laughs> like small problem I have with that is that the moon reflects sunlight like from a no, don't don't go no. there. Don't don't put. We've science. already had don't photosynthesis. It would just be a rock. <laughs> it would be a rock in the sky. I just... Okay, we'll get to this uh, next week for because it's in chapter eleven that the sun and the moon um, are talked about in depth. But something to keep in mind is that the when the sun and the moon are created, the Earth is still flat. <laughs> so. They're going around a flat Earth and basically, like, going beneath it. But didn't you guys know that the Earth we live on is flat, too? That's what they say. If you if you want to joke about that, you can start your own podcast. <laughs> and I 
Like, no joking. No, there are people out there who actually believe that. I cannot wrap my head around around that. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. Anyways, moving on. Back to elves. <laughs> um, discussion. Everybody, what there's did you think? There's a lot. Yeah, there's Yeah, I don't know. There's... It really felt like this should have been two or three chapters, given... Yeah. Like, why did he feel the need to pack all of this together? There weren't even, like, scene breaks. He does that sometimes. It'll be, like, four chapters of names, and then one chapter of all the plot. I, I do want to note that I love that Feanor names Melkor Mor Morgoth, and at this point, no one really likes Feanor, and they all still agree to take on that name. Either they just thought it was such a good name, or, you know, he's a really charismatic dude. He must be a really charismatic dude to, like, give these speeches and get everybody to follow him into making some really bad choices. <laughs> you know, like, hey, we're gonna go murder our friends, and everybody's like, yeah. <laughs> right? God. They they really drank the Kool-Aid. I think you do. Oh, but the same thing as, like, how the oath is described as the oathiest of oaths. Like, yeah, it's yeah. like he gives the speechiest of speeches. Yeah, but there's a lot of that in this one. Like, he gives the big speech, and then the first messenger comes out and gives a speech, and then Feanor, like, gives a speech in retaliation, and then they go <laughs> kill their friends. And then the second, like, Mandos, or the messenger of Manway, uh, comes back and gives them their curse as a speech. And then I'm pretty sure Feanor gives them a speech after that, you know? Like, we don't care about a curse, we're getting our Silmarils, bitch. Yeah. yeah, here we go. Feanor was a master of words, and his tongue had great power over hearts when he would use it. And that night he made a speech before the Noldor, which they ever remembered. Fierce and fell were his words, and filled with anger and pride, and hearing them, the Noldor were stirred to madness. Listen, does anybody else have that, like, moment when he does things like that, where Tolkien describes something super grand, but then never actually does it in the book, and it's like, yeah, he just couldn't think of something that would live up to expectations. Yeah. Because every time this happens, I'm like, really? You couldn't just give us a speech? We do get some bits of this one, though. It's not a bad speech. I feel like we don't get the full effect. <laughs> no. It is important to note that there are still some of the Noldor who did not yet know that the race of humans are coming next. Yeah. I mean, Melkor, Morgoth, whatever, did tell them. Morgoth was telling them, but it's, um... It might not be, like, well-known throughout all the elves. Right. Where was that? Yeah, because there's... Oh, I forgot. Olway also gives a speech when he says, no, you can't have our ships. Mm -hmm. So there is quite a few speeches in this chapter, and actually they're really good speeches. Like, whenever somebody was talking, I was like, yeah! Shall we mourn here deedless forever, a shadow folk, mist haunting, dropping vain tears in the thankless sea? That's Feanor. Yeah, good old Feanor. That's good. See, and this is the thing, like, Feanor's making some super bad choices, but A, like, his father just died, his Silmarils were taken... The Valar just let Mel Morgoth go, as far as Feanor is concerned. Um, and he he wants revenge. He wants his silver. He wants his jewels back. He wants... No. Saying he wants his jewels back sounds like a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> he wants the silver back. He At least he doesn't grow things, revenge. so we don't literally have him wanting his nuts back. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> 
<laughs> Feanor's family jewels. And, like, it's possible that Finway was the only elf who cared about him. Because, you know, remember, there's the estrangement with the family. He was arguably responsible for the first death of an elf. So he probably didn't have many friends or anything. So I can 100% see where he is just making some really bad in the heat of the moment choices here. It's even said over and over again that he's trying to push the elves on because he does not want to lose the heat of the moment. You know, he knows that as soon as they stop and reflect, people are going to be like, oh shit, we just murdered our friends. Totally sounds like a cult leader. Yeah. When it doesn't help that as soon as he's like, all right, we're going to go, um the messenger comes saying like hey we're not gonna help you yeah they and you know again manway makes some poor choices here mm-hmm. it, i can see where it feels like a banishment before it's a banishment but then it becomes a banishment basically mm-hmm. yeah and so so feanor gets to issue the great line you know through sorrow to find joy or freedom at the least so good he's really like an ill-advised revolutionary yeah he's like revolutionizing but there's nothing really to revolt against he's Mm -hmm. just making that bit up and i will say i I have i haven't read this chapter in a really long time so i'd sort of like been misremembering it when the confrontation with the teleri and and like made feanor and the nolder out to be even more evil than they actually were in this chapter because as far as i can tell they don't actually attack first like, they go to steal the boats, and the Teleri attack them, and then they kill them all. Which, I'm not saying that's good, and that they weren't the uh, the aggressors in the situation, but I can see where maybe if the Teleri had just let them have the boats, things may have been different. <laughs> there are a lot of ifs in this whole thing. If, if, yeah. if. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really depressing because um, so then swords were drawn, but it's then noted that, you know, the, the Noldor have been learning to make things and they've crafted mm-hmm. swords and real weapons and it's like the Teleri have sad little bows. Well, there's that, but also, like, why swords? Like, at what point did they decide they really need weapons? That was a couple mm-hmm. chapters ago. Was it... I know... Wasn't it Morgoth who showed them? Yeah, Mor- Morgoth kind of helped. The, about weapons and that sort of thing? And, and then... That was what led to Feanor first drawing a sword on Fingolfin and getting exiled and that sort of thing. So it does still seem strange that they would be prepared with weapons and shields and armor, but there was a little bit of an origin story there. I think it's more surprising that the Teleri have anything to fight back with, but they at least probably ate fish and stuff. Yeah, maybe they were like hunting birds. Yeah. So they had like hunting bows, that type of thing. Um... And it is noted that Owe, the king of the Teleri, does call upon Ose, their Maiar friend, to come and help them. But the Valar have decreed that the Noldor should be free to make their own choices and to leave if they want, and that the Valar will not get involved. So uh, Ose is unable to come and help. Mm-hmm. I also like that there's a line here that refers to, I guess, a, a song or a story that talks about the fall of the Noldor, which is not... It's not in this book. As far as mm-hmm. we know, it doesn't really exist. Yeah, there was one in the last chapter, too. Like, there's just... Like, I keep the going, like, to check my... Re- referred to the, the, the Ainulandale, didn't it? No, Which... it was the... the uh, Aldudenie. Yes. Oh, okay, right. 
And then here, and that's, it's a good reminder that, again, these are stories and we're sort of, we're going with them as both a history and also myth and how much of this is just Galadriel saying, hey, some stuff happened. Let me tell the story. Yeah. I, you know, okay, so about the ship burning, I like to think that Fanor was trying to do Vingolfin a solid there. Like, (laughs) if we take the boats and we go and we burn them, then he can't be involved. Then, you know, he can't get here and he can stay in Valinor and not be involved in the Oath or the Curse. That is very gracious of you. It is. And it's how I like to think about it. But then <laughs> Fingolfin was like, no, we swore that oath. We're getting there. And he took the, the Hellcrax. That is probably not how most people interpret Feanor's actions. But... What? Yeah, Fe- Feanor laughed and cried, none and none. What I have left behind, I count now no less. Needless baggage on the road it has proved. I'm not saying he <laughs> Let would... Let those who curse my name curse me still and wind their way <laughs> back to the cages of the Valar. Right, but like, maybe he didn't... Ten points for melodrama. Yeah, that's for <laughs> sure. But again, he is basically saying, let them stay there with the Valar. We don't need them. Even though, like, they really fucking need them. There's Belrogs <laughs> and shit on this side. Well, he, like, does he know? The help does he know get. there are Belrogs? No, but he knows there's Morgoth. <laughs> who? Hey, okay, he thinks he, he has a lot of superpowers. He has, as, like, all as, of his mom's children's life force in him. This is true. What is that line that he says to... What is it? Is it the first messenger or the second messenger? Where he, like, laughs and he says, you don't even know. Yeah. One of them. <laughs> yeah, they're like, you can't beat them. Like, bitch, please, is pretty much his answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I might be more powerful than you. You don't even know what's in me. And a part of me is like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, tell them, Fanor. And it may be that Eru has set in me a fire greater than thou knowest. Yeah. I'm like, I like that. Like, I hate Fanor, but I also really love Fanor. No, he's a douchebag who thinks he's unbeatable and... His confidence is inspiring. Like, you even know that death exists. Ah, uh, it's so good. He is, he's, he's the mediocre white guy who thinks he can go into a company right away as CEO. Well, like, yes, but also we've had chapters of people who are very insecure. And it's kind of refreshing to have someone who just does whatever he wants. It is true. It's mm-hmm. nice to have a plot. I'm a big fan of agency. See, the, back to what you said about him being a mediocre white guy who thinks he should be CEO. The thing about Feanor is that he's not mediocre. Like, maybe no, he's being... he's pretty good at what he does. No. Sh- maybe he's being a shit. I mean, he's definitely being a shit. And he murdered friends. <laughs> but again, they did cast the first blow. But it was because they were stealing their ships and then they <laughs> murdered them all. So I, I don't know. I kind of see... I don't know. I, I feel for Feanor more than I probably should. You're not alone. I have seen the internet. I mean, I like his I like his sons better. Some of them. Some of them I don't like at all. But some of them I do like. We're not really there yet, though. Yeah, no, we're not really there yet. That's true. No, it does make for an, an interesting character. He is very interesting, yes. I actually kind of think he's more interesting than a lot of the characters in Lord of the Rings, who were mostly were like, we're good guys and we're going to do good things. For the most part. While Feanor is like, I'm fighting against this evil guy, but I'm not that great myself. Yeah. Sometimes there is something to be said for just let me do bad things for my own reason. 
that's how a lot of a lot of battles are won by people who aren't necessarily out there for the good of of what they're doing just it would have been interesting to see what Feanor would have been like if Finway and Muriel had stayed in Middle-earth I think you mean if Muriel had stayed alive well that too actually that would have been interesting to see if he'd had her influence in his life um but just also if he'd never made the Silmarils but was still Feanor you know that would have been Mm -hmm. interesting yeah and a little bit less hands-on Valar meddling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I can, I can totally get behind this being like, um, actually, I don't want to be under the rule of these gods. Fuck them. Especially Manway. Yeah. Yeah, Manway is always just, we're always just told he's this super good dude, but then he does all this weird shit. <laughs> yep. I mean, not the least of which is, like, they send them to this war, basically. Fanor's like, we're gonna go kill Morgoth. And Valar like, well, we're not gonna help you. Have fun dying. And then we're gonna curse you. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? That's that's pretty that's pretty shitty. And well, it's just pretty shitty. Yeah. Uh anything else? I mean, I feel like there must be because so much happened in this chapter, but my brain is kind of roasted at this point. A lot did happen in this chapter. But again, a lot of it was just speeches yeah it it would make like a really great whole season of a tv show because you could just have dramatic speech in episode after episode after episode there are um two other chapters in this book that are that now have their own like full books just those chapters so this isn't the last time this will happen mm-hmm. i don't know it's cool let's go get some revenge burn more stuff well Let's go. Probably die because we've been told that that's going to happen. Because <laughs> we're cursed now. Yep. Um. Yeah, I think that's everything, really, in chapter nine. So next week we'll read chapter ten? Yes, which is the one that I've accidentally already read, so that's fun. Of the Sindar. The Sindar, and we may as well do chapter eleven also, which is of the sun and moon and the hiding of Valinor. They're both pretty short chapters, I think. All right. Unless- said that about these chapters too you did and you lied to us but like the sun and the moon chapter doesn't have much plot and i never thought i would look forward to that the sindar chapter is pretty much a sum up of what's been happening with the elves in middle earth all right awesome so thanks for tuning in for drama and betrayal and a lot of good speeches Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and fan or stools God, why did that just sound dirty this time? I don't know. (laughs) Feanor's jewels. It's late. Anyways, we will see you all next week. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Signing off proper. I will remember it. Twitter. We have one. You can talk to us. We are at want to read Tolkien. Did I say that right? At at to read Tolkien, I think. To read Tolkien. God, Caitlin, every time. (laughs) We have a Twitter. It may or may not have a handle. No, it does. I just have no idea what it is. It is called at to read Tolkien. You can Thank also you go time. to our website, you want to read Tolkien.com, which theoretically links to places. Yes, you can find all the different ways to subscribe there. Um, but if you're listening, you should have the show notes that I post in your podcasty doohickey, which has all this extra information that I put in. Um, and then you can always email us at youwanttoreadtolkien at gmail.com. And I think that's everything. So I have been Caitlin. I've been Rachel. 
And I'm Emmy. Thanks for joining us. See you next week. Bye.